Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Marler, in case you haven't heard, things are a little different right now. Just a little yeah. bit. Well, um, everything's gone to blank. <laughs> um, this is the worst. We, yeah, we have, we're in the middle of corona quarantine. I have postponed the wedding. We have postponed the wedding, me and Allie. Um, we have no sports. Our pets' heads are falling off. Everything is the worst. Queso's head's falling off? No, not really. That's not funny. Oh, um, Queso did eat, like, this is like what well, I was going to get into this later, but we might as well just kick the show off with it now. We literally just ran out of toilet paper. Oh, boy. Like, just at the worst possible time. And so I went out for three and a half hours in Atlanta the other day just looking for toilet paper and uh, couldn't find any anywhere. Drove all over the city. Queso ate two rolls of toilet paper, like, ripped them to shreds. Which, that's roughly, if I'm doing my math correct, 20% of our net worth of toilet paper right now. So that is not good. It's kind of an alpha move on his part. Not yeah, he's, he's a boss, dude. He's a yeah. boss. <laughs> okay, so I fear that people are looking at the length of this podcast and they're saying, oh man, are you guys going to cut back on stuff? There's no sports going on. What, what in the world are you guys going to do? We're going to no. mail it in. No, 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 no. We are doing the exact opposite. And we, we met and talked about this, not, of course, in person, but we we have a new plan. The podcast, as you know it, is going to be changed. It's going to be changed for the better as long as we are without sports. We are not taking a, a, a step back. We are taking a step forward. We are doing. Wow. What a visionary. Right, right. We're doing three podcasts a week. That's right. It's you're like, going to have every Tuesday, you're going to have debates down south. Every Tuesday in your inbox, you're going to get a little, little, little debate every week. And today, we are doing the 2015 Heisman Trophy with Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. We're going to revisit the debate. We're going to do it in a different type of, of format. There's going to be one of those in your inbox every Tuesday. On Thursday, the plan is, is going to be an it just meant more. That means one a week, one a week of those. The one that we are doing for this upcoming Thursday, 2008. Georgia basketball, a team that will not be soon forgotten, and given the circumstances, Connor, very appropriate. And here's the thing, and I, like we we have come up with a lot of this together, we brainstorm. I want I want to take a minute to pat myself on the back for some Do of it. our Georgia fans. Whose idea was that? You, all you. Thank you. So I want to say, Georgia fans, just want to just want to throw that out there. Also, quick congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs 2019-2020 basketball team for winning my fake tournament on Twitter. Also, I want to give a huge shout out to the uh, several people that sent me $87 on Venmo. Wow. So Georgia would win that tournament. It was a hell of a win. Hell of a win by the dogs. Keep going, Connor. Amazing. Um, And then every Friday is going to be casual Friday. We're going to maybe do a little bit more of like an extended fourth and wrong. We're going to come up with some unique idea to do every single Friday. Maybe sometimes that'll be an interview. This Friday, we're going to power rank the office characters. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're getting weird with it. You know what? Because this time of year is, right now, is so unprecedented. <laughs> Not this time so of year. Weird. It's it's weird for it's all of us. It's time on earth. It really is. But we are going to go about this in a way that, that makes sure that you, people who are trying to escape all the coronavirus talk, you have all the content that you need, and we are not going to all of a sudden just leave you out in the lurch. We got you covered. Every day of the week, we're going to try and have something that's that's unique on SDS as well. We have all sorts of content, despite the fact that there's no sports. Spring football, as we know it, is over with. Maybe we're going to get some sort of spring football into the start of summer. Who knows? But we're not going to have news. And you know what? Our podcast is not going to be dependent on news whatsoever, and we're going to still keep you entertained. I promise that. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, with that said... Let's start with our first ever debate down south. And it's one that, Marler, when we were talking about the, these ideas, you're like, all right, I've already got all the information done for this. 2015 Heisman Trophy, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey. Your mindset of this is actually different than what I thought it was going to be. You just yeah. explain this to me before we started. And so, and just so we're clear, and I, I wanted to almost get out ahead of that very sentence before we started this one, because... Mm-hmm. If any anyone that knows me knows that like what am, so this this I brought this up yesterday to Jay Woody actually shout out Jay Woody um, one of my favorite things to do in general and with this job specifically is researching college football stuff and just like researching stats and numbers from different times or different years or whatever and we have nothing but time on our hands to do that right now yep so 
one of my other things, like favorite things to do from that is like present that information. Be like, y'all check this out. This is pretty cool. Look what I learned. One of my least favorite things is in how that's usually turned around and been like, you're a homer, like immediately. This this exact argument, what's, so when Connor says like, I brought it up, um, like immediately I've already done the research, it's funny how this whole thing came about because in December, me and Luke Del Rio, he, he texted me out of the blue and and just kind of like, <laughs> like picked an argument with me. And I love Luke, but he kind of picked an argument with me about, about McCaffrey versus Henry and who how Henry should have never won the Heisman. And I, at the time, completely agreed with him. I'm not trying to give away what I think I, I think now, but I completely, completely agreed with him at the time that McCaffrey should have won because he impacted the game in so many other ways and all this other stuff. And then we started going back and forth. And again, I was on Luke's side. I don't know if Luke knew that at the time. And you also didn't know that Luke's high school running back was, in fact, Christian McCaffrey, which is an yeah. important part of Did they of the win argument. a state championship? Uh, in Colorado, I assume so. Yeah, you have to. Okay. But so, yeah, I, I didn't know that at all. And so, and I, I did, like literally until we just came on air to record this. But, you know, I'm going through this whole thing with him, and I'm like, well, hold on. Let me look up some some numbers here to figure out, like, why there's so much discrepancy, why there's such a... Because this is, for whatever reason, this is one of the most, I think, heated arguments between, for, like, for about Heisman's especially. And I, and I do think, you know, we'll get into the whole thing here in a minute, but, like, I, I for me at the time, I, I told Connor beforehand, I don't even know if I have a definitive statement on what I think who should have won. I just think it's so interesting to break down, hey, here's one way to look at it. And here's the other way to look at it, and poking holes in, in both sides of the argument. It is one of the great Heisman arguments of all time for a variety of reasons. And there are so many different factors that went into this and why it is still debated to this day, in part because both of these guys played the same position, but in different regions of the country. That in itself is always going to create a unique dynamic. But it wasn't at the quarterback position. It was at the running back position where... You know, six years before this, we had Mark Ingram <laughs> versus Toby Gerhardt, which was only separated by 28 points. People might forget that. I mean, well, well I mean, that's one of the greatest, greatest rivalries in all of football is Who a Bama running that? back and a white running back from Stanford. That's all. That's all it is. That that specific instance, though, was the only other time in the last 20 years before this that two running backs were in the top three of the Heisman voting. Very unprecedented. Very, very rare to have two running backs competing for the Heisman Trophy. They end up being separated, of course, by just 300 total Heisman points, but Derrick Henry ended up having 88 more first-place votes. So at the time, you know, everybody is wondering, okay, let's what's – working with Derrick Henry, what's working with Christian McCaffrey. In their in their previous games leading up to the Heisman, and I, and I need to keep saying this throughout the podcast because one of the things that people forget is that the voting takes place, for most at least, after the conference championship weekends. It takes out anything that happens in the playoff, New Year's Six Bowl, anything like that. It doesn't matter what they do in the NFL. All of this stuff Does is, it? <laughs> all of this stuff is supposed to be Right. When at the time of the voting. So, obviously, Derrick Henry had just broken Herschel's SEC rushing record. Pretty big deal. Christian McCaffrey in the Pac-12 championship just broke Barry Sanders' record for all-purpose yards from Which scrimmage. is crazy. Unbelievable feats. That uh, two people, that the, the fact that both of, those, both of those guys broke them when they did, I think really kind of made, made college football fans take a step back and go, holy cow, this is... This is different. I see. I don't know if it did. And it I should have more so. Is, maybe you're you're so. And Connor, you're the perfect person to have this conversation with because you're logical, and not just because you're wearing those glasses, <laughs> but because you're a logical person. And so I think, like, like one of the first things I said to Luke was, "Now you got to keep in mind at 2015." Oh, I forgot to say, "Welcome to the Thunderdome." Damn it. Um, anyway, we'll move <laughs> you on. You're gonna say that you didn't. <laughs> so, so it, 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 in 2015, at the time, I was still, admittedly, we'll get Luke to bleep this, but a pretty big. And you said like Luke pre- to bleep this. You meant Will. I mean, Will. Will. Well, Luke's not yeah. going to be our producer, probably. Maybe. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, most likely. But so I was still a pretty big homer and, and, and fan. And so, and I had already heard the whole thing about Mark Ingram winning and he, he shouldn't have won because Toby Gerhardt. And then you have the whole Sue thing that also, like, he should have won. And so for me, it was like, okay, I, I did cling on to the fact that I thought Henry should have won at the time. And, and, you know, like, as a fan, or as a media member, it's your job to stay up and watch those games. Don't blame, don't have a blanket statement for the rest of the country like, you didn't stay up late and watch these games. Like, that's your job. Like, if, if you're going to make that argument, then you do it. Then you tell me why this should have all happened. And I think for me, when, when this when this whole debate started happening, 
what you're saying is correct. It should have the, the college football world should have taken a step back and been like, man, this is an incredible season. Like what an incredible year. Like like we did this year. There was some there's a Jalen Hurts story and a Joe Burrow story. And 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 Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, they did they almost had I mean, Joe Burrow dominated, obviously, but there were so many other sub, like little subplots and stories that people like paid attention to. It seemed like at this point, for whatever reason, it was this guy versus this guy, and it was like you had to pick a side. And it's it's weird that we were almost forced into doing that. It was it was regional to a certain extent. It felt almost political in a way. Yeah, uh, very good. The way that it unfolded at the time, and even if the tough thing is, I think for when you break down quarterbacks, you can pretty much dissect. You know, quarterbacks are usually judged in really similar ways. Yes, there are running quarterbacks versus more traditional passing quarterbacks, and sometimes that creates that dynamic. This is kind of the comparison to that. And from a statistical standpoint, you know, you look at McCaffrey, who had 2,426 yards from scrimmage and 16 touchdowns, including the two passing and the two returns that he had. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry had 2,083 yards from scrimmage and 23 touchdowns. This is all at the time of the vote. At the time. So... One of the reasons, well, and, and you're not counting the total yards here. You're not counting his return yards. No, I'm not counting the returns. return yards. I'm just right. those are yards from scrimmage, and then those are total touchdowns as well. Sorry yeah. for the yeah. I should have explained no, you're that. Fine. But I think that what has fueled this debate over time, and what made oh, it yeah. more so of a debate in the in the weeks and months that followed, was what happened in a very important 24 hour stretch. And I say very important in terms of public perception. Now remember. It was it was New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve when in the Cotton Bowl, Derrick Henry and Alabama are playing Michigan State. He has this game in which he is held to 75 yards in prime time, where a Michigan State defense that has a lot of NFL talent on it loaded the box, and Jake Coker. They were number three in the country. Yes, Jay Coker went off that game. And if you go back and look at the highlights, a lot of it was play action. I, to this day, say it was the greatest game that Lane Kiffin has ever called. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. 38 to nothing, they won that game. Derrick Henry was quiet. Less than 24 hours later, Christian McCaffrey torched another Big Ten foe, yeah. Iowa, in the Rose Bowl. Everybody's watching this game. Number six ranked Iowa. Number six ranked Iowa, who had just lost a down-to-the-wire game against Michigan State. So there was this belief that they were pretty much the same team. But McCaffrey goes off. I mean, 75-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage. He set the Rose Bowl record with 368 all-purpose yards. I mean, right. uh, on the first play from scrimmage, he had as many yards as, as Derrick Henry had. Actually, he had, he had more yards. Half. Almost had half of yeah he had, almost had half of his seasons total uh, for punt returns because he had that, that's everyone when they bring up the whole argument like well he impact the game in so many different ways and like his punt returns he had one punt return for a touchdown all season that was one of them so what that then fueled was and we'll get to this more later in the um, what people were saying about this at, at the time. That then allowed people to say, this is exactly why Christian McCaffrey should have won the Heisman. Using hindsight to say that when that wasn't a part of the voting whatsoever. And it's dumb to look back on that. And so the pro-McCaffrey crowd, it's dumb to not take that into account. And then the pro-McCaffrey crowd didn't really want to acknowledge Derrick Henry when he had 158 rushing yards and three touchdowns in a national championship. It was all about. And that was in a national championship. That was a right? national okay. championship. The twenty-four sure hour, the twenty-four hour stretch that followed in their first, in their first showing after the Heisman Trophy, I thought really shaped the fact that oh, the 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 people who were saying McCaffrey should have won, they got way louder in that period. Yeah, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And so, so here's I'll I'll break this down in several ways. And I this is one of the reasons I said this was such an interesting debate, and why I think. There's less of a debate now. There's so many different things that go into this. And I'm just going to say from my standpoint, what what all all the things I think that went into it. And again, before I do, I want everyone to hear this. At the time, before we first started this argument, like in, in 2019, I talked to Luke Del Rio about this. I thought McCaffrey was the guy that should have won and he got wronged because of how many how many ways he impacted the game. Now, at the time, you're, you're looking at this. You're looking at a Bama fatigue, right, that has happened again. You're looking at they've lost to Ole Miss. Twice in two seasons in a row, never happened in program history. They lost to him, and so you have this chink in the armor. They they are then out of the top ten for the first time. I don't know how long. Now it's coming on the heels of the kick six season where they they lose the last two games of the season. Twenty fourteen, they get they get uh, an embarrassing loss to Ohio State where they get torched like on the ground by Ezekiel Elliott. 
So everyone's kind of looking for this is like the peak moment. This is this this is the actual season when Joe um I can't think of his name, Joel Klatt, went on and said, The dynasty's dead, they lost Ole Miss again. So you have this kind of comeback season for them where they, they're an underdog for the first time against Georgia, uh, like two weeks after this loss to, to Ole Miss. Everyone, I think, was ready for the dynasty to be over, right? So that's one thing working against them. You also have the historical aspect of it where you have the the, 20, the 2009 season where Mark Henry, or I'm sorry, wow, Mark Henry. Uh, Mark Ingram. <laughs> Mark Ingram, Mark Derrick Henry, two different people. Yes, yeah. Mark Henry is a phenomenal wrestler and powerlifter, but regardless, uh, Mark Ingram has the season where... It, I mean, I'll say it. It's one of the lesser impressive or least impressive Heisman from a number standpoint seasons of all time. Like he had like sixteen hundred and fifty rushing yards. That's not anything like this season, especially. He probably wouldn't have been a finalist. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at like that part of it. It's like, well, somebody already got screwed before, and then so then you have these built-in arguments where it's like Bama always gets the calls. Bama has the num- They actually win the award, the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country. So they have that going for them. So it's just like, yeah, we're just going to give Bama more credit for whatever reason because it's Bama, because it's Bama. That that becomes this very blanket statement kind of BS narrative where people can hide behind actually, like not actually looking up any of the stats and numbers and research and just throw that out there. The other side of this I think makes it so interesting and where it's kind of lost some of the steam is now you have like, I, and I think this is what like continued this argument why we're still talking about it five years later, Christian McCaffrey goes pro. Is drafted higher than McHenry or than Henry. He's drafted uh, drafted the Panthers. Has an incredible season. Like he's he's one of the best running backs in the league, if not the best back in the league, right off the bat. Henry is kind of considered a bust or what we all thought he was going to be because he's too big and not fast enough or whatever for the Titans until this season. So up until the 2019 season, it's you have that also being added into the arguments because I, I can't tell you right. how many people I've they've said that. So I'm like I'm like. I don't I don't like this argument. I don't want to get into the argument because I had never researched it. And then people were like, McCaffrey should have beat Henry. I'm like, who you're an Iowa fan. What are you so upset about? Like what what is happening right now? So then you have like like one of the retorts that always comes back is like, look, I mean, who's the better pro? I'm like, I, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. But it was something being factored into this argument for a very long time until this season when Derrick Henry led the NFL in rushing. Eric Crouch won a Heisman Trophy, so anybody that's, anybody that's holding on to the belief that if you're a better pro, you should have won the Heisman Trophy, that needs to take a walk. But Chris Winkie is 63 years old right now. <laughs> he, might, he might be. <laughs> what real. people were saying at the time, the regionalization of this felt unique. And as I said, this did feel a little bit political. I mean, that's yeah. kind of how it felt. Like the lazy way out was saying Derrick Henry is the Heisman Trophy winner. And if you were this like... I don't want to say hipster, but if you were this diehard college football fan, you knew who Christian McCaffrey was because seven of his 13 games started at 10 p.m. Eastern time Mm -hmm. or later. 87% of Christian McCaffrey's stats, according to The Athletic, 87% of his snaps occurred at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time or later. That's, that's in his college career. That's that's right. wild to think about. So there was this belief that like the worldly college football fans support McCaffrey, and he didn't, you know, he didn't come in with major Heisman buzz. So if you saw and, and knew what, what what Chris McCaffrey was doing, it was kind of like, oh, you were you were aware of what's going on in college football and all the ways that he was impacting the game. Yeah. And it was also kind of like, a, okay, you didn't just write him off early in the season when people forget this. 12 carries for 66 yards in that opening game loss to Northwestern. The following week to UCF, a UCF team that was winless, winless in 2015. 20 carries for 58 yards. He did have four catches for 59 yards. So nobody was. But hold on, what did him. what did Henry do against Michigan State? This people forget but that. To be fair, on the McCaffrey side, after that game, he played 14 games that whole season. 11 of the next 12, he had over 100 yards or more. Yes, was fantastic the rest of the way. He was seen as more of like this, okay, if you're paying attention to college football, you like Christian McCaffrey. It's, it was a little bit of like... the best way to put it. It kind of it was. It really sort of felt like this. This new player that you know is, is playing the position in such a modern way. And yeah, he was a little bit Reggie Bush, but... Dude had so much more volume than Reggie Bush. I'll get. To, I'll discuss a little bit more of that comp well, later on. But you know, I'm going to say this, and I don't want you to get uncomfortable, but I know you're going to. So just earmuff it if you have oh to. Oh boy. I think America as a whole enjoys the novelty, especially in college sports, of this do it all 
scrappy dude, especially if it's a white player. And I, I know that sounds bad. I'm not trying to bring race into the whole part of it, but it's like you look at Tebow and how much people loved him where he kind of like it, it, it does for whatever reason, it fascinates the masses Here's more the thing, so though. than it does for other people that put up similar numbers. Here's the thing. There is nothing, nothing yeah. about Christian McCaffrey that was scrappy. This is the son right, you, of an right, NFL, right. son of an NFL season. skill player, son of an NFL skill player, ridiculously yeah. athletic. He was not, you know, trying to maximize his potential like a Division Two no. Danny Woodhead, something like that. Right. Like, there's <laughs> nothing about that yep. about Christian McCaffrey. And so there was, yes, there was, the, you know, there was a little bit of this race element, but I don't feel like that was really that pertinent. Nor should it no, have no. been because Christian McCaffrey and the way that he played the game. Nobody saw color with with how, with what he was doing. He wasn't seen as this great white hope or anything like that. Right. And I think anybody that was looking into that element was like, well, I think you're you're maybe looking at this the wrong way, in my opinion. I, I would agree with that. I'm just saying when we're trying to bring up all the different things that factored into it, I do say like, especially with the hipsterish comment, where it's like, this is the novelty. This is different. Mm-hmm. And, and and where I think that is maybe a better way to phrase it was, I stand by what I said, but. The novelty wasn't the race. The novelty was the fact of what he was doing at all these different positions and in the game. Like the novelty was the fact that he was putting up better numbers than Barry Sanders, which I thought that never that number would never be broken. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are a couple pieces that that I wanna I wanna break down here that I found looking back on this. One of which from SB Nation's Bill Connolly. He's now at ESPN, but does great work, very, very well respected yeah. in this industry. He wrote a story with the headline, Derrick Henry is awesome, but three players deserve the Heisman more. He had McCaffrey winning, and then he said Deshaun Watson and Dalvin Cook was more worthy than Derrick Henry. And he said that because Dalvin Cook was the more efficient player, that he should get the nod over Henry. Now, when did he say when was this written? This was written right before the Heisman. So, okay. yeah, back in 2015, I think. I, I can't remember when the, the exact date was. but I didn't know if it was after. Because you, like, you had the Deshaun Watson argument. You heard that. Like, it's impressive that he even had this because there was so many of the Deshaun Watson. Uh, people in the Deshaun Watson should have won camp. That happened, like, the year after. Yes. With the Lamar Jackson thing, like with, which is another convenient, like, look back in time. But anyway. Right. So, the, the argument, though, about the efficiency thing is weird because... I value efficiency a lot across all sports. I think yeah. it's really important, but I I really come back to this belief that, and this was a great study in what efficiency means because Christian McCaffrey was super, super efficient. And Derrick Henry wasn't the, the most efficient player in the sport at the time, obviously. There were, there were far more efficient backs, but... The way that you that you evaluate efficiency as a running back has to be different because when you're 6'3", 240 pounds, you can't value 5.8 yards per carry from, from Derrick Henry the same way that you can every other running back across the country. And I think that that's what some of the, as great as, as Bill Connolly is as a writer, and I, I really, really respect him, I think that that's the context that something like that lacks. So there were things like that, though, that were being written, that were being discussed, and people just wanted to look at yards per touch or stuff like that and say because McCaffrey was more efficient then that's why he deserved the nod over Henry so there's another another piece and I'm gonna get more a little bit more heated about this one I think yeah Sports Illustrated Lindsay Schnell ran this big McCaffrey over Derrick Henry piece and by the way there was more of a reason for the the pro McCaffrey pieces to come to light because it didn't seem like as popular of an opinion as at, at the time. You didn't have to yeah. talk somebody into voting for Derrick Henry for the Heisman Trophy right. at the time. That was you, the, that was the Ingram thing. Yes, yes, different because of because of that regard. So this 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 was the lead for for this column. I'm going to read it exactly how it was written. Why hashtag Wild Calf? Apparently that was the nickname for him. You wonder. Like so many before, you've probably fallen victim to believing the Heisman Trophy belongs to someone in the South, typically the Southeast, occasionally in Southern California. But look up, north in the Golden State, and to the top of the all-purpose yardage records, and you'll find the deserving candidate. Christian McCaffrey has been the most outstanding player in college football this season, and it's not close. 16 total touchdowns. A couple things. A couple things. (laughs) I... 
I love what Christian McCaffrey does. I love that he brought out reactions in people that actually made us look at this closer. I really, really do. Because I think oftentimes the Heisman is such a narrative-driven award and we can get lazy with it. We can. And I like that yeah. we actually are willing to break this down. Joe Burrow. I mean, really? <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. Here's what I hate about that lead. Nowhere in that lead is it saying, Marcus Mariota, the guy from Oregon, by the way, just won the Heisman Trophy the year before. He had the most lopsided Heisman Trophy victory since who? Troy Smith, back in 2006. Where did Troy Smith go to school? Ohio State. This belief that Heisman winners should come from the South. is not a real narrative. No, that's not a real narrative. So, and here, here's, this is something else that bothers me about this whole thing, and, and I have it written down in my notes. South versus the West is still... The West versus the South, and mm-hmm. the, you have these you have these people in this camp that are. I brought the Bama fatigue. This is peak SEC football fatigue. Okay, because yep. you have 2007, or I'm sorry, 2006, 2007, uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. It's seven years in a row. You've won the national championship. 2013, you get runner up. 2014. That's when I said you started to have this shift where it's like, oh boy. So you have you've lost it the year before because Bama's down uh, and, and had the kick six. Auburn loses on the last second thing to Florida State, but then you have Ohio State. Like in in this very weird sense, because for the most part, people hate Ohio State and their fans all over the country. But for them to have you know they're down twenty one six to Bama and come back and beat Bama in the way they did, there was such a sense of relief, like this collective sigh from fans all over the country because they were tired of seeing the same thing, and somehow the Heisman Trophy got lumped into that same argument. They were tired of seeing the stuff with the SEC. And when you really look at it, it's like, okay, Tebow, Ingram, Cam Newton, Manziel. Like, I, I get it. Jameis. Jame- well, yeah, so I'm not specifically the SEC, but you have this whole argument where it's like, where you, you have this pushback, and it, this is where I think the hipster thing is, where it's like, you have this whole sense of, I'm tired of the, the SEC, I'm tired of them mm-hmm. getting all the breaks and winning all the championships, and, and the, kind of like the, the Danny Cannell arguments, for lack of better ways to put it. When in the same way, the reason, one of the reasons they're having that, that entire opinion is that they think for some reason the SEC has it towards them. And, and it's just not – it's like your, your perception of nobody wants to stay up and, and watch the real footballs happening in the Pac-12 or stay up late and, and, and be like well-versed or educated. That's where it got the political thing I think for me because it was like this very – there wasn't a lot of depth to the argument. It was just kind of like finger-pointing like you're dumb because yeah. you don't know what I know and, and everyone thinks they know – what is being like? What is happening in the SEC? And it's like that's not. It's a bad argument. The voter breakdown I remember was one of those things that everybody couldn't wait to see how it was yeah. going to turn out. And Andy Staples, I found an old <laughs> Andy Staples tweet that had a breakdown of this. And not surprisingly, the far west McCaffrey won. He had 333 votes as opposed to 282 for Derrick Henry. Way closer than I thought. Way closer. Did not think it was that close. And then in the South, Henry won in a more convincing fashion, 368 to 219. There are four other regions here. Southwest, Midwest, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic. How many of those did Christian McCaffrey win? Connor, I'd like to answer this one. Go ahead. Zero. He didn't win any. Here's a fun fact. He finished in third in one of them. In the Mid-Atlantic where Deshaun Watson actually finished second ahead of Christian McCaffrey. If this were the Electoral College, Derrick Henry wins in a route. I mean, an absolute route. I realize that's not how this works, and it was closer in the popular vote, and he got, I think the breakdown was like 54% compared to 46% if you were just comparing those two and their total votes. All these liberal hippies out west. But if there was this belief that this was just, hey... East versus West, I think we would have seen more of a difference. And maybe at least one region would have had more of a pro-McCaffrey stance, whereas like right. it was close all over the place. It wasn't really as close in the South, but it was close everywhere else. So I'm not as, as sure that it was so, so regionally divided as much no. as we as much as we kind of felt like it might have been at the time. I completely agree. And 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 this is what bothers me again going into this argument is that when you look at this, like, so, so I, I've already said, like, in this in this time, when I'm at 27, and, I mean, like, you've seen the pictures from that LSU game when I had bourbon, vodka, Coors Original. I was a nervous <laughs> deodorant. Like, I had everything out ready to go. So I was I was much more of a fan and, and, and would admittedly have been closer to being, like, Henry should have won because I've seen him do this, this, and this. And I watched Christian McCaffrey. Like, I mean, I, I stayed up and watched a lot of games. I didn't think... I wanted I wanted my guy to win at the time. But what's frustrating is everything I just said about like 
that kind of public, you know, want of the SEC to be down, like the, the Bama dynasty to be dead, all those things, like that's not me speaking from a fan. That's a pretty real thing, I think, and a feeling that a lot of people had towards the SEC, and because and, that is a stretch. Listen, SEC fans, there's not a lot. You don't ever hear Big Ten chants, okay? B1G. You don't hear a lot of Pac-12 chants. Like, there's not a lot of other conferences that are as you know, over the top, overzealous, and and beating their chest about their conference. You're still doing the. the I'm doing. I was doing PAC, <laughs> seeing if that worked. There's nothing. The ACC there. one, that one kind of works, but like, but see, there's no other conference that really does that. And so I think there were a lot of people that were ready for this to be done with. And and you talk. I think about the stretch I just said. They won seven straight national championships, and then came up runner up in the other one. So you know, it, it's it's a thing where. And here, here's another point I'll make. Actually, never mind. It's not that important. Anyway, okay. they've, won, they've won seven of the last eight national championships <laughs> and, and had a runner-up in the other one before Ohio State won. It, it, people are tired of seeing this narrative. And, and so when you see, like, Henry should have won, he's he won in four other regions. It's not like people in the Southwest, people in the Midwest, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic were, like, yep. huge Bama fans or huge SEC fans. That's not happening. That Like, if anything, you have this push and kind of, like, transition towards more, like you said, the hipster fan, which is like going against it. And I, and I tell you what, the saddest thing about all of it is, is if you point out all these all these different regions, like, all right, he won five of the six, and he won four that were neutral between the two, right? If you say that, it does become just like, well, that's just, he went to Bama. Like, he just, or he was in the SEC. Exactly. And, and that narrative, I don't think is, is that, again, that's not a real thing. It's, there's not facts to back that up. The thing that is most troublesome and, and, and sucks the most from this season, Connor, is the fact that, when you look at a quarterback, like you look at Joe Burrow last year, think about how late in games Joe Burrow was in. Like it's weird that Miles Burton only had one touchdown, right? Like for the whole season, considering how much they yeah. they trounced opponents. And and I'm not taking anything away from that. I love the fact that O went out there and won him a Heisman and did it with a quarterback because that was forever. That was like LSU had a struggling quarterback, whatever. You look at like him winning that Heisman. It's a lot of times with a quarterback, especially if it's in the Heisman, it's like well they they had to he had to carry his team on his back. They, they just hitched their wagon to this guy, and he went and led him to the promised land. He led him to a national championship, whatever. With running backs, especially in this one, they didn't do that. You, like The argument was almost made the opposite for it. It's like, if you want to hitch your mm. wagon and ride this one guy, where you're like, well, the, like it became the argument against Henry, where it's like, well, he, they, gave him, they gave him the ball 46 times. It's like, first off, we'll break down the numbers here in a second and look at how many total touches Christian McCaffrey had late in the season, because it yep. was very, very similar, if not more than, than Henry. But it's weird that that argument was used... In, for one position, it's like it's celebrated, and for this this particular argument, it's almost used against them. Interesting. Yeah, I want to get more of your takes on where you kind of stand on all this, having revisited this <laughs> no a one's lot ever more in the that. last few days. I know, right? <laughs> but before we do that, I know that there's no no sports being played right now, but our friends at, at Bet Online, they they're gonna get us through this time. I I, th- I I have faith in that. I have faith in that. I got a guy. You ever heard that before, Connor? I got a guy. I've heard that a lot. Okay. <laughs> Not particularly from me, but yes. Um, guys, I tell you what. We've been joking around about having to save up for this wedding, all this other stuff, about why you know we build your bankroll for, for March Madness. All those things are off the table now. You know what's not off the table? Oh, boy. Gambling. Yep. Gambling is off the table. Um, I got a guy that's been sending me cricket picks. I got a guy that's been sending me esports picks. <laughs> They've all hit. They've all hit. Wow. <laughs> he's, he's like six and one. Um, I got a text the other day saying, hey, go max bet on Team Rugrats with a Z. I didn't do it because that's that's crazy and asinine. But still, guys, there's still options. If you need to get your fix, if you want to have some fun, um, if you want to watch something just, just to get that that kind of feeling again of like you missing sports, there's plenty of sports you can still watch and also still bet on. So, Make sure you are going over to betonline.ag today. And i tell you what they also have that's even more important. This is actually better than the actual gambling on cricket. Poker. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Gambling um, on gambling. Gambling on game. Well, no, you would just be playing poker. Play- okay, you're not gambling yeah. on gambling. Okay, gotcha. You could All right, thanks for explaining both. that to me. All right. Yeah, you could probably do both. But you could also set up a live account, start playing poker, win some money. Um, guys, poker's still a very much a thing. Uh, it wasn't just a fad that came out in two thousands. It's a lot of fun. I paid for my second senior year of college with online poker. Go to betonline.ag today. Set up an account. Play some poker, guys. Like for for just if you need some entertainment at all, you have, we're all sitting at home with the social distancing thing. 
There's nothing like just going to get some cards, getting like just looking down, seeing seeing pocket aces over there. I miss that feeling. You know what? We gotta end this thing pretty quickly. I want to go play poker. You have to um, if if you're, I mean, it's social distancing, you're practicing that. Go rewatch Rounders, all time. Yes, great, great movie. That might be in my. That might have to be in my top ten of all time. Very, very. Yeah, good. I love that movie. Um, so, Marler, before we get your takes, let's take a quick, quick break. And then we will come back and break down the rest of this argument. Sound good? Yep. All right, let's do it. If you are sitting at home right now and you're thinking, I have no idea what in the world I'm going to do for the next few months. Social distancing does not sound very fun. I've got good news for you. As I said at the top of the podcast, we are providing more content than ever. We are not just going to leave you out there with nothing to listen to. We're going to have three podcasts a week. You know what you should do? You should subscribe to Saturday Down South Podcast. You should join our Facebook group, Saturday Down South Podcast on Facebook. You know what? Just while you're at it, just go over to SaturdayDownSouth.com and just look around at all the different things that we have going right now. We're not just going to be talking about SEC football because of the lack of sports right now. We're going to be going all over the place. We're going to be talking movies. We're going to be talking entertainment. We're going to be your true one-stop shop for all things content and that is what we need right now that is what we need in this life is 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 content so we will provide that as much as we possibly can i promise you that we will not let you down so go out head on over to the saturday down south podcast facebook group subscribe to the podcast all of those great things all right let's get back to debates down south marler i know now because you already explained this but where do you officially stand now, having done your research, having had the context of what you experienced in 2015 as a Bama fan? Where do you, Chris Marler, right now stand on this debate? Derek Henry should have won the Heisman. So, Simple. and here's why. And this is this is where we got into it with Luke um, going through it. And I know this probably shocks none of you uh, that I have this case, but hear me out. And here's why. And so, I kind of view it as a. As much as I view it as I think he should have won because he had the numbers, I also view it as all of the arguments against why he should have won it are easily debatable or wrong. Okay, so so when you look at Henry's numbers, a lot of people, they these are his numbers just from, from a whole, okay? He led the country in rushing yards, right? Uh, he had 2,219 rushing yards, correct? He had 28 touchdowns which is outrageous. Okay, 28 like, total by season's end, 23 at the time of the, of the Heisman voting. Right, exactly. So that, I'm just looking from a broad standpoint. Uh, I understand everything that Christian McCaffrey did. I, I understand that he was able to break, uh, what's his name, Barry Sanders' record. That's incredible. And, and I think that when you look any other year, I think that that alone probably should have deserved it. But when you look at the arguments that were made against Derrick Henry, the biggest argument you heard was, was well, because they handed the ball every single game. 395 carries. It was the most in the country. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's one of the reasons why people like Nicole Auerbach, if you remember the reason why she brought up that he was going to be a bust, is because Bama uses up all the running backs in college. They had way too many carries, blah, 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 blah. Even before those last two games, and I'm almost glad it makes the argument easier, the Michigan State thing. He had five touchdowns in the playoffs alone, right? Yep. So he still had 23 touchdowns before that. Breaking, like having 23 rushing touchdowns as strictly a running back, when, when have we seen that in the SEC? He, had, he breaks Herschel, Rock, Herschel Walker's single-season rushing record. That's, we never thought that'd be broken. And my issue with the argument about how, well, it's because he, he had the ball 395 times. When you look at how many times... Christian McCaffrey touched the ball. He touched the ball more in less games. Like I, I, it's just I think that's just a weak argument because it's it's you can look at it two ways. Like one, yeah, he was able to impact the game in in you know so many different ways. But specifically, the argument against Henry, and this is what Luke brought up. He's like, because well, they gave him the, the ball fifty times a game. Like you look at the Auburn game, he had forty six carries. If just going through the, the the season, Auburn he had forty six carries. Florida he had forty four. Those are the last two games of the year going into the the Heisman voting, which fueled a lot of the narrative going into it. Yes, right. When you look at the the total touches that Christian McCaffrey had in those last two games, which were two of his only four against ranked teams going into the Heisman. He only played four ranked teams going into the Heisman ceremony, and one of those teams was Southern Cal. He got to play twice. He had 27 carries, 32 carries. Then he also had uh, seven total catches, and he had 10 kick returns and three punt returns. Also had... How many passes here, Connor? He had one pass because he threw a touchdown pass against Southern Cal. It was cool to see him be able to kind of do it all. 
But I just think that argument doesn't have a lot of legs if you're going to say, well, it's because Henry had all these carries. In in looking through the season, Henry played before this before this vote. He played seven of his 13 games against ranked opponents. Seven of the 13. Three of them were in the top 10. In those seven games, he had 1,261 yards total on 198 carries. Okay, That's 6.4 yards per carry against ranked teams, and he had 13 total touchdowns. That's before going into the playoffs. That's That's outrageous. So when you look at the season even as a whole, if you look back on it, because like you said, the whole thing was after the bowl game, which doesn't matter, he has 18, 18 touchdowns against ranked teams because he played nine ranked teams. So I just, I think it was, it was odd to me to see, it's not odd to me to see so many people be up in arms about a Bama player getting recognition over something because of the, the narrative against Bama. I, I get that. But also the fact that when you really look at these numbers, I mean, <clears throat> he had 13 touchdowns in seven games against ranked opponents, and he averaged 180 yards per game against ranked opponents? That's, I mean, like in any other year, you look at that number alone, you're like, oh my God, that's that's incredible. And he also had more, he had he had, he averaged two points, uh, I'm sorry, he averaged almost two touchdowns per game in those games. And so I think what people forget about the most with this, with this year specifically is I, I brought this up yesterday on the Facebook group, and I said, who should have won the Heisman, Henry or McCaffrey? And someone said Leonard Fournette. And I kind of laughed at oh. it at first. No, no, so listen, Leonard Fournette, in, in two, two less games than McCaffrey, he had 1,953 rushing yards. He had 22 touchdowns. Keep in mind, again, like because one of the things Luke said to me in this original argument was he had, hold on, he had, uh, you look at November, going looking at November and, and going forward, Going into November, Leonard Fournette was a front runner. It was a foregone conclusion he was yep. going to win the Heisman Trophy. He had 191.7 yards per game. And I remember that from memory, Connor. 191.7 going into the game against against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That was a two-versus-four matchup, and that's when it was taken away from him because he had 19 carries for 31 yards. On the other side of that, you look at Henry. Henry goes off and has 38 carries for 210 yards. We, we talk about this every year. In November, the leaders kind of emerge, and, and that's when narratives really started getting, getting built. So when you have this whole mindset of like, well, you know, he got all these carries. from In the five games starting in November, Derrick Henry had 161 total touches. Christian McCaffrey had 160. That's people not the argument. That. Yeah, people, people forget do that. forget that. There are two really bad takes I think you can have about, uh, no matter what side you fall on the Heisman discussion in 2015, that I think are just need to be wiped out. I, I think these takes are bad, and I think that they don't make a lot of sense. They don't hold up. One of which is the one that you just mentioned there. Derrick Henry was just good because he got a lot of work. Right. I, I always say Derrick Henry getting a lot of work was what made him so good. Yeah. And you know, pre and if you actually look at some of the you know, you brought up the, the, the stuff about the touches and it's so so accurate, it needs to be brought up. Pre Heisman, Derrick Henry averaged five point nine eight yards per carry. He was actually better in terms of a, a, a runner, a pure runner than Christian McCaffrey, who had five point eight yards per carry pre Heisman. Right. If you look at the previous top two in terms of running backs, of where they finished in the Heisman voting, this is all at the time of the voting. Look at their efficiency and break it down for the last 10 years. Melvin Gordon was at 7.6. Really, That's really crazy. high. His season was probably a little bit underappreciated looking back on that whole That whole Heisman finalist season was, well, we could talk about some other time. I, I've said for a long time, I think that's the best three finalists of all time. Mariota, Gordon, and Amari Cooper. Yeah, because it was one from each position, and they each had like incredible years for that position. All world years, absolutely. Yeah. Mark Ingram, six point two yards per carry. Toby Gerhardt, five point six. Darren McFadden, five point seven and five point nine. Reggie Bush was the outlier. He was at eight point nine, and he set the bar so high. But what's also needs to be remembered is that Reggie Bush only got one hundred eighty-seven pre Heisman carries. And there was this belief that because McCaffrey's comp was Reggie Bush, then it was like, okay, well, we awarded Reggie Bush for this great season. Why aren't we awarding Christian McCaffrey? But if you actually break down their their workload, it was it was very, very different. Reggie Bush yeah. is not running for 8.9 yards per carry if he gets 275 carries. They had Lendell White. He didn't need to be in that role. So the other bad take. And I don't want to get into too much to this, but it, it was a bad take. And even looking back, I still found people that had this take. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey would have won the Heisman Trophy if he was black. That was a really bad take. <laughs> if anything, 
I felt like Christian McCaffrey kind of being this rare guy as like this this white running back who was just sort of changing how we thought of the position. I thought it kind of differentiated him. I thought it helped him, if anything, and I thought it made him more unique than Derrick Henry, where we've seen guys like Derrick Henry <laughs> before. Like we've we seen hadn't. Well, we hadn't necessarily seen the 6'3", 240 freakish type of guys, but we've seen these big bulldozing backs at Alabama, and we've seen, you know, a Trent Richardson, something like that, but maybe not to the extent of Derrick Henry. But I would still argue that Christian McCaffrey was more unique at the time for what he was compared to a Derrick Henry. And we, if anything, I think the, the race card, if that was played, I thought that could have helped him. There were people that would say, oh, white running back could never win the Heisman. That would just be such a such a weak cop-out thing. That, like, go back and, and look at, <laughs> look at all the things in the first round. Do. I don't want to yeah. hear it. Like, I yeah. did, like it's, so, and this, that kind of feeds into what I was trying to say earlier about, like, how the, it's a, the novelty of it. I do think, like, what you said it kind of proves the, well, the point I was trying to make, which is, like, we've seen that before with, with Derrick Henry. We hadn't. Derrick Henry is 6'4", 248 pounds. Yeah, you went like, up a little bit on what I said, but that's all right. That's fine. He's, he's, he's six three and three quarters. Like like I, when he was being recruited out of high school, and he's his five star. I remember. I will never forget this. In 2013, his his freshman season in mop up duty, he the going into that game, there was an article written because at the time you still had Alvin Kamara, Alti Tenpenny, and Tyron Jones on on that team, and and two at least one of them. I think Henry was the highest ranked, but Alti Tenpenny was ahead of him on the depth chart, and. There was a there was a comment made by Travis Ryder, who's one of my favorite, you know, Bama beat reporters. Great guy. He made the comment. He said, like, looking forward to this game. What does it mean? Because they knew they were going to beat Arkansas or whatever. And he said, the the experiment with Derrick Henry at running back is almost over after this week because he's too big. He has to learn. He can't just bounce everything outside. He's not fast enough. That game, he got bottled up and like late in the fourth quarter, bounced the run outside and goes for eighty yards untouched because he outran everyone. Right. And so from then on, it was like we, like. We, again, we lost the novelty of even this, where it's like, hold on, he's, let's call him 6'3", 6'3", 248, and it's like this this big, huge, bruising back who gets stronger as the game goes on and wears people down, and and like, True. again, you go, look at November, the month of November alone, against against just Power 5 teams, LSU, Mississippi State, and, and Auburn, and two of those teams were ranked, and, and two of them were on the road, 210 yards, 204 yards, 271 yards. Yeah. And and we for whatever reason wanted to punish him because well he's getting all these carries it's just it's just weird to me that I, I I do think that part of the argument whether people want to admit it or not is they kind of threw it lumped him in with we've seen this before because he was black when, yeah when the, I mean the case was we never did see that the the Eddie Lacy Trent Richardson Mark Ingram like all of that was still within people's memory whereas right. like. There wasn't this natural comp for Christian McCaffrey, not just at Stanford, but really, Wes in, Welker. really in all of college football. I mean, way different than that. <laughs> Julian I mean, Edelman. He's a monster. So the thing that I didn't know slash forgot about until researching this, you I brought it up earlier. Up. McCaffrey's high workload. It's it's incredible. It really, really is. And, it, it, and it's something that I didn't give enough credit back then. I didn't mm-hmm. – I for whatever reason, I told myself that he was – his touches were more of the Reggie Bush variety. That that is just not the case at all. He got 337 carries that year, which yep. you know. By the way, like, 395 total by the end of the season, 434 touches. That includes returns as well. I mean, Derrick Henry the carries. Yeah, so like Derrick Henry ended up having having less total touches, but from from a carries perspective, they were separated by 20, I believe. It was it was McCaffrey had twenty less than than Derrick Henry. So at the time of the at the of time the, of the voting, yeah, at the time it of was three nineteen to three thirty nine, right? And at the time, Derrick Henry had rushed. He had three hundred nineteen. I'm sorry, three hundred thirty nine for nineteen hundred and eighty six yards. Which yes, is it out? That's outrageous. And so and and the the whole thing going into that argument about how well you know like they were just giving all these extra touches in the games where Derrick Henry didn't have a hundred yards that season. Do you know what they were? Oh, go before 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 Heisman voting, there were four of them. It oh, rushing yards, Charles total yards. Southern. He only yeah, had one. Yeah, I meant right. rushing yards. Because if he would have had fourteen more yards and he had a two thousand yard season, that that alone is like okay, yeah, you got to kind of give it to him. Like that's that's a two thousand yard season. It's, it, it's rarely done it, in that against seven ranked opponents going into this. He had he had sixty eight yards against Charleston Southern, ninety five against Arkansas. The other two teams he didn't have 100 yards against, Louisiana Monroe, Middle Tennessee State. So this was not a case where they were just like 
feeding him. It wasn't like Ron Dane where they were giving him like Good 20, point. 30 yards and he was he was getting these like huge, huge 300-yard games against teams that weren't that great. It, and, it, and again, when I brought up this earlier, I said, uh, on the, uh, the fact that he only had 17 touchdowns, right? Because we look at it like, well, he impacted the game in so many ways. He didn't get that punt return until the until the uh, the what do you call it the bowl the Rose game. bowl yeah the Rose right bowl. so he he had a kickoff return for a touchdown and he got that um, in November he had a, a pass for a touchdown two, he had two, two passing touchdowns yeah. yeah which is still outrageous that's impressive and then he had um, he I mean he only had two rushing touchdowns in the month of November on which it's great that he was able to impact the game in, in all these other ways but I, I think yeah that revisionist history that people kind of had towards it, it it didn't make a lot of sense to me and I just I I don't understand. Why it was used against Henry and not the other, and I, I still say the Fournette thing, where this this Heisman was initially won, was that note, that game against LSU in November. Yes, in, in Tuscaloosa, one hundred percent against top twenty defenses. I went back and I, I didn't I didn't I didn't know this at the time. It wasn't important to me. I'm not a voter or anything like that at the time. I wasn't even covering SEC football. I was still on the Big Ten side and yeah. still I was still engulfed in that. So Derrick Henry against top 20 defenses he faced four of them wisconsin uga tennessee and florida he averaged 27.8 carries for 156.8 yards he had averaged half a catch for three yards so that averages out to 28.3 touches for 159.8 yards per game against just top 20 defenses mccaffrey on the other hand averaged 22 and a half touches for 155 yards Really similar. Here's the issue. McCaffrey had the dud against Northwestern. That was something that stayed with him throughout the year. And the fact that he only had those two games against top 20 defenses, only faced four top... Only faced four top 25 teams the whole year, as opposed to Henry, who, of course, faced four top 20 defenses and seven top 25 teams... Before voting. Before voting. Nine overall. So... Yes, like it's the breakdown is there, and uh, yes, Derrick Henry I think had better surroundings than Christian McCaffrey did, but it was the fact that like I think McCaffrey really had to blow Henry out of the water, yeah, and really kind of show him statistically look because he just you play who you can, who who is on your schedule. I get that, but you also have to factor that into the conversation. We got into this talking about Kyler Murray at the end of the 2018 season. About how we all of a sudden are just like, you know what, we're going to, why do we do this thing with the Heisman where we pretend like, oh, you know, just at the power five level, every defense is the same. We evaluate it so much when we're doing group of five versus a power five team, but when it's a power five candidate versus another power five candidate, we don't actually look in depth with the strengths of the defenses that they were facing. And to me, that's where I really was swayed on this because I went into this saying, you know what? I'd like to kind of because I know that you were gonna present you know the pro the pro Henry argument I, I would expect you to it'd be weird but like I didn't think that you were actually gonna say that you were you were pro McCaffrey back in the day and you know kind of looked back and were pro Henry now but I wanted to be in that camp of like look you know we just we might have gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves we didn't look at this in the right way and pointing out ways in which McCaffrey should have definitely won the Heisman. If you want to give if you want to give Christian McCaffrey the Heisman, I don't I don't have a problem. Like that that's fine. If you want to say he impacted the game in more ways, he meant more to his team, he was more appointment viewing than Derrick Henry, that's cool. I get that. But in terms of a guy that I want to go to battle with and a guy that I I can really really put on his shoulders to go win me a game, yeah. Derrick Henry was that dude. And if you look back at these at these numbers, especially against the quality opponents because Everybody's gonna get caught up in the LSU thing. Like, yeah, I, I get that, but go look at go look back at what he did when the season's on the line, even against Tennessee, when they're they're down late in that game. And he scores that, like yeah. two minutes left. Go ahead, touchdown. Look what he does. You know, when it's late oh, in the dude. season, everybody's tired, and it's floor and it's the SEC championship, and he gets forty plus carries. He gets forty six carries against Auburn too in the Iron Bowl in a game that was a little bit more of like a, of a grinder type game. Like every time you needed Derrick Henry to show up and have that big time game for you. Dude just delivered. He was that guy. Yeah. And so, and what's frustrating about that is, and I'm, I'm not trying to say this in a bad way about Leonard Fournette, because Leonard Fournette had an absolutely incredible season that kind of went unnoticed because of somebody in his, his conference beat, they beat him head to head. But like, in any other position, this is applauded. 
you're like like it, let's not let's not kid ourselves. This is one of the things that Luke brought up, and he was like, they had, they gave him the ball a thousand times because they couldn't. J- Jacob Coker was a terrible quarterback. He was a game manager that he could only complete passes on a post route to Calvin Ridley. That's that that's not that far from the truth. Why is that used against Henry? Like and so the, when you look at the season and what people forget about this is something I brought up earlier. When, when I said the whole thing about like how. He had 160 touches, 161 touches from November on, and McCaffrey had 160. That's not even including in special teams returns for McCaffrey. Okay, like a thousand of these yards that McCaffrey had came on kick returns. Like Henry wasn't returning kicks; he only had 11 receptions the whole season. Right. Okay, so this is all on the ground, which is like depending on how you look at it, which I I tend to look at it from an impressive standpoint because it's like, all right, you have 15 games, he has 395 carries, he he got all these carries late. Nick Saban's not trying to go win Derrick Henry at Heisman. Nick Nick Saban's trying to go win a national championship. And when you have that dude in your backfield, you're giving him the ball over and over and over again. And why that was special is because no other season for Bama had ended th- this way, where they had their ranked number two. The thir- they lose week three, the third game of the year. They lose to Ole Miss. And the next week, you go to Georgia, and you are playing a top 10 Georgia team. Yep. is number eight in the country on the road. And for the first time, I believe this is honestly the only time in the past decade. And I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Like I think it's the only time in the past decade where Bama was an underdog. They were they were a three and a half or they were a two and a half point underdog on the road at Georgia, and they won 38 to 10. And I, I, I again I could I don't know another time they would have been an underdog because they weren't an underdog when they got boat raced by. I was Clemson. just trying to think about that. Yeah, they were. They were seven. And a half, they were a three and a half point favorite against that team. I think, or maybe it was, maybe it was six. Even because I bet even on this Clemson. past year they were still favored against LSU. Obviously, exactly it was a home game. Yeah, right. And I think they were favored against Auburn, even though Auburn didn't have they had a backup quarterback. Regardless, so three and a half point spread. I think something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, but I'm so I'm, I'm almost confident. Like this is not a stretch or me trying to embellish stuff because I remember at the time it was the first time they had been an underdog in 81 games. This is in 2015. You tell me a time they were an underdog since because they, they were predominantly ranked number one. So going into that game against Georgia, when you have to have it, you have to have them. And he goes 23 carries, I'm sorry, 26 carries for 148, uh, for 148 yards. Then he goes to A&M two weeks later, which again, at the time, top, top 10, 10 team, team. Yep. on the road, he goes 32 carries for 236. It wasn't like he, he didn't have a dud. He never had a dud. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think that that's the thing. For whatever reason, we if it's if it's a quarterback, you know, Johnny Manziel won the Heisman because of what he did against Alabama in November of 2012. He had been doing it all season, but nobody was really paying attention to him because they, you know, they were a top 20 team, top 15. They weren't they weren't banging you know the door for a national championship. He wins that game because of his heroics in that game. For whatever reason, this season, one of these players was like applauded for his quote-unquote heroics and in affecting the game in so many different ways and the other one was kind of like in in like in hindsight vilified for for his heroics like like you know what man i'll be honest with you i don't want the ball 46 times against sec defenses <laughs> like I, I don't i just i flat out don't man like and and then go to the nfl so i just thought it was it was it was an interesting debate and I, and I think more than anything the biggest takeaway from this is you have you have two guys that are that will this will go down as one of the better seasons in the history of of college football. And That's, when I brought yeah. up the, the 2014 thing, was like Marcus Mariota, who has the second highest or third highest now um, distance between, you know, what he was able, like his first place votes versus whoever else. Yeah. The fact that 2014, the, the three finalists was a receiver who had over like 1,700 yards and set the SEC record for most receptions in a season. Melvin Gordon, who had, how many yards did he have that year, Connor? Gosh, he had, I mean, he, he had over 2,000 and he, I think he hit it before the Capital One Bowl against Auburn. I mean, his I'm year from, confident he had over two thousand standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it was it was ridiculous. Like, in twenty plus he, touchdowns, he's he's one of the best running backs to ever not win the Heisman. With that agreed, that he had. agreed. And then you have a quarterback. So you have these three positions. And I remember looking at it that year, and, and almost across the board, you had people saying because they didn't have to argue it and pit pit two people at the same position against each other. Yeah, you had these people saying like, "Man, in any other year, that guy would have won," because they all won the individual awards for their position. But when this happened, it was like, you have to pick a side. And it's just, you know. I'm relieved now, though, that because, and Derrick Henry just got the franchise tag, um, or at least he was expected to get the franchise tag. I don't know, maybe he did. But I'm happy now that because McCaffrey and Henry are both viewed as these premier backs in the NFL, I'm happy now that nobody can use that stupid, lazy argument to say, well, Chris McCaffrey's a better pro. 
And it's like, yeah, well, you might think that. was so frustrating for me. You you (laughs) might think that. That's fine. But, like, let's not just pretend that, okay, well, we're going to use four years after the fact of information to judge why somebody should have won an award before. Like, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. But this was good to dig into. Let me ask you this. Yeah, it was, man. I I really enjoyed it. I think that, like, you know, this is – here's a question for you. When – because I'm still looking at it, and this is just – I remember this season. It was crazy, and it was like – there's so many great moments too. This, like, that, like the Mississippi State. One of my favorites, I think, of the whole year was the Mississippi State game. It was the week my grandma had passed away, and I was I was back home in Columbia at the at the funeral, and um, and then so I, I go home and watch the game by myself until the rest of the family gets back, and I'm like in like a black sweater and like a tie and like all dressed up still from like the funeral. So like watching this game, and I remember Henry broke a, a long run down the sideline, and and Kiffin's running down the sideline with him, and he's just like like pushing his hand like like forward like like stiff arm stiff arm and then henry stiff arms and, and kiffin's going crazy so um so anyway the thing i was going to say before i get caught up in that is one of the things i think is interesting from this year and i wonder how fans would have reacted then versus now when you look at it and w- how would you feel about this if they just shared the heisman i don't like that communist stuff i'll be honest <laughs> so i'm not a, yeah <laughs> socialist no, I'm everyone not, gets a husband. Yeah, no, I, I'm not necessarily a believer in that. I like that we can. I like that we have good debates about this because it's important. We we're going to look back on this 20 years from now, and you know we're 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 going to discuss Derrick Henry as, in my opinion, still as having one of the great all time seasons, and Christian McCaffrey is there as well. Same. Yeah, but you know, I I think that there is a little bit that slight slight differentiation. At least there is for me. Enough to say that yes, I think Derrick Henry deserved to be in. Like I said, I can't I can't state this enough because I'm not sure if it came across in this podcast. But I truly went into when I started doing research for this on Saturday, like going back and looking at it, I really wanted to be in the pro McCaffrey standpoint because I think all the listeners did too. I think a lot of people do. I think a yeah. lot of people do. But hopefully this sheds some light on something that you've probably talked about maybe at least once or twice. It's come up in discussion. Maybe you can continue to talk about this as well. But we're going to have a lot of different things that we're going to talk about with these debate podcasts. And some of sometimes it's just going to be comparing Heisman winners. We've talked about wanting to do something with McFadden as well. That yeah. can be in the pipeline. We're going to maybe compare some accomplishments that we have, some cross-sport comps that we have mm-hmm. uh, in the works. But... I'm excited. Like this is, I, I think hopefully this this will be well received, and we're going to get to dig into some different type of stuff that we're not going to get to necessarily talk about, you know, in depth. We, we we have this come up all the time with fourth and wrong of like, well, we really don't have the time to kind of flesh this out yeah. now. We we do. We have we that have time now. So time. I want to I want to get to all of these different subjects. I'm in season four of Parks and Rec. It's going great. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh Wait, have you, man. Have you watched the whole thing? Yes, I'm a diehard Parks and Rec fan. It's die good. Hard Parks and Rec fan. It's very it's, good. It's very. It's good. actually it's easier to follow along with. It's like better background noise than The Office. Yes. Like because I feel like I'm missing less. But it's also it's not as good as The Office. I'm just flat out. Uh, my my comp is. Parks and Rec is to ice cream as The Office is to cake. Hear me out on this real that's quick. Fair. Yeah, that's good. The Office and cake have a higher upside. You get a good cake, you remember yeah. that cake for a long time. I mean, <laughs> ice cream is steady. It's rock solid. It doesn't have the floor. Like, I, I've had some really bad cakes in my lifetime. I'm not sure if I've had many bad Like, lemon cake is... Yeah, there's some bad doing ones. that? There are some dud Office episodes. Season 8 is just a- a- terrible. Yeah. We've already broken a lot of this stuff down. Scott's Tots. The farm Parks, great, and, but... Parks and Rec really doesn't have that floor, in my opinion. Yes, they and do. It, they, the first they two seasons... That's yeah. your whole thing. You kept telling me. You and Adam, like, well, if you get through the first two seasons, and I'm like, that don't tell me. I gotta set aside two years worth of of, of crap episodes. I think it was a I think it was a good show and a, a decent show that got great after the addition yeah. of Rob Lowe and Adam Scott. But so we can, we can save that for for another time. We are going to talk about The Office on Friday, Casual Friday. No. I cannot wait. I'm very excited for that. I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> Please wear pants. For the I'll sake of us, social fine. distancing does not include not wearing pants. Let's let's let the record That's show. Fair. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have, we have a lot of ideas though. Um, I can't wait to get to discuss all these. It's gonna be fun. We're going to get through this together. Say it with me. We're going we're gonna to get, get through, through this, this together. together. We're gonna do it. We're Just want to point it. out one thing. One more thing, real quick. Mark Ingram had like sixteen hundred and fifty-eight yards rushing the year he won the Heisman. Derrick Henry in the against ranked teams all year in nine games he had fourteen hundred and ninety four. 
So maybe the real thing is Toby Indomitian Sue should have won the Heisman. <laughs> <in 2009. laughs> let's let's retroactively give Christian McCaffrey the 2009 Heisman. That's you know what. Can we do that? Hey, he was in middle school. I don't care. Whatever. Luke Del Rio probably yeah. knew when he was in middle school, too. Um, this was a lot of fun, though. I'm looking forward cool. to getting to do this. We're going we're gonna to talk to you guys again multiple times this week. I can't wait. Yep. I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Follow us on all forms of social media. Started on South. On Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at SDS. Follow at Vern Funquist. You're keeping that handle throughout this, this entire social distancing period, I think. Yeah, right? I got a... Very big influx of new followers from that fake basketball tournament. Hey boy, there you go. Make, make up really stuff, and, and apparently good things happen to you. Wait till the Masters. All right, we will talk to everybody later this week. Is there anything that we need to remember, Mario, Kojo? It just means more. There we go. It might mean too much. <laughs> talk to you soon.